The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to talk to you today about the road to freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom. We're in a series right now called From Here to There, and we've been talking about how to get from wherever you find yourself today to the place that God has for you. And we've been saying that God has a better place for you than where you are today. Even if you're in a good place today, God has a better place for you in the future. A place of promise, a place of provision, a place of purpose. It's a good place but in order to get there, we got to follow God's path, right? And we talked about uh, the first week, you may remember, I, I talked about that, those maps that you, you see at the mall or at amusement parks. And you walk up to this big map and it'll say, you are here. And, and it, it, that's good because once you know where you are, it helps you to plan out how to get to where you want to be. And the good thing about God is not only through his word do we discover where we are, but he also shows us the path that we need to take to get to where he has uh, the, the, place, the good place that he has for us to go to. So, so we've been talking about how to do that today. And I want to talk to you about freedom today. How to walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ purchased for you today. Because, because you need to really experience that. You know, Jesus died on the cross. One of the reasons he died on the cross is so that he could purchase freedom for everyone. In fact, 2 Timothy 2 verse 6 says this. It says, he, that's talking about Jesus, he gave his life to say these next two words with me, purchase freedom. That was pathetic. Try it again. Purchase freedom for everyone. Are you an everyone? Okay, so that means that Jesus purchased your freedom. Your freedom has been purchased. And, and, and so the problem is, though, a lot of people aren't walking in that freedom like they should be. In fact, if you were kind of, you know, maybe able to look into the spiritual realm and see some, some people, there are people, Christians, people who love God, they love the church, they love Jesus, they love worship, they love the Bible, and yet they find themselves in a, in a prison cell, and the cell door is wide open, and yet they stay in the cell. And the reason why is because they don't know how to get out. They don't recognize what Jesus has done for them. And they don't understand how to step out of, of that cell into the freedom that Jesus wants them to experience. So I want to help you to see that today. I read a stat this week that said that 76% of people in prison end up going back to prison within five years. 76% of people that are in prison, once they get out, within five years, they'll be back in. Why is this? Here's why. Because of mindsets. It's because of, of the mindset. See, when a person is in prison, here's what takes place. Not only are, do, do they lose their, their freedom to the outside world, but they also lose a lot of the freedom of choice that they have just on a regular basis. Think about people in the prison system. They don't get to choose when they eat breakfast and what they're going to have for breakfast every day. That just gets kind of dictated to them. They don't get to choose when they take a shower, how long their shower is going to be. They don't get to, to decide when they're going to go to bed at night. Their, their choices are taken away and it's all kind of dictated to them by the warden, right? So in the same way, there's a lot of Christians and even though Jesus Christ has purchased your freedom, he's made a way so that you can be free because we've lived in prison for so long, maybe prior to salvation, we continue to stay in prison because it's in our mind. And so we keep going back to bondage 
We keep going back to the way of living under that warden Satan's evil thumb. We keep returning to that because in our mind, our mind ain't right. See, here's the thing about freedom. The battle for freedom is fought in your head. The battle for freedom is fought right here in between your ears in your brain. It's a mind battle. And so, so, so here's a truth for you. If you take a note, write this down. My thoughts control my life. Your thoughts are going to control your life. You can't do something if you don't think it first, right? And, and so, so here's what the Bible tells us. It says to be careful how you think because your life is going to be shaped by your thoughts. Your life, where you go tomorrow, is going to be determined by what you're thinking about today. And I'll talk to you more about what that looks like today. But recognize this today. Satan understands this. And so that's why the primary area that he's going to attack you in your life, which by the way, just to, just to recap, Satan, what he wants to do is still kill and destroy you, right? That's what the Bible tells us. And so he's going to try to invade your mind, attack your mind to get you thinking the wrong kind of thoughts. Because if he can get you to agree with the wrong kind of thoughts, they're going to lead you to destruction. In fact, Romans 8 verse 6 says it like this. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there's life and peace. So we have a choice. Are we going to side with the sinful nature of this world, the sinful nature that comes natural to us in this world? which is going to lead to death, or are we going to choose to side with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, which will lead to life and peace? Okay, so I want to help you to take control of your mind today. I want to show you four things today, and this, this message is very near and dear to my heart, because many of you have heard this before. If you're new to the church, though, maybe you've never heard this before, but, but, but me, years ago, I had a terrible mind. I had let my mind run wild. I, I had a mind full of lust. I had looked at pornography for years and I was bound by that junk. And I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. As much as I tried, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. And, and what I found, what I'm gonna show you today, these are some of the things that God showed me through his word, which by the way, everything I'm gonna show you today is rooted in the power of the word of God in your life. I'm gonna keep bringing you back to the word of God. I hope that's okay up in this church if we talk about the word a little bit. But I wanna show you the work that the word of God can do in your mind and help you because God wants to take you from that place that you're in. Because listen, at one place I thought I couldn't be free, but God brought me from that place. It didn't happen overnight, but step by step, God led me from a place of bondage to a place of freedom. And I know he wants to do the same thing for you. All right, sound good? Okay, so the first thing you gotta to recognize today, if you're gonna find freedom in your mind, number one, you're gonna to have to guard your mind. You're going to have to guard your mind with the Word of God. Uh, a few years ago, we had a little problem that arose at our house. We had a, uh, a dryer vent on the side of our house. It was about 10 feet off the ground. And a bird had gotten into that dryer vent and built a nest and was living in there. And, and the bird had laid eggs and then the, the, the eggs hatched. So, so one day we're in our laundry room, me and Sarah, and I was like, hey, come here, check this out. And you could hear these little birds chirping, you know? And it was like a little Snow White kind of Disney moment there for a moment. <laughs> but the moment passed quickly because within a couple of days, those little birds began to make that laundry room smell like a nasty, dirty birdcage. 
And it was nasty. And here was what made it even worse was Sarah was pregnant with Sonny, our youngest at the time. And when Sarah is pregnant, one of the, way, one of the first signs when Sarah's been pregnant is she can smell like a bloodhound. It's insane. There's like a lavender candle in the attic and she can smell it. She's like, what's that lavender smell? I don't, maybe it's lavender in North Carolina. I have no idea, hon, but she can smell crazy stuff. And so now this birdcage smell is going on and it's right by our bedroom and she can't hardly stand it. She's about to, to move out. It's so bad. And so, um, and so I, uh, I was like, well, I got to fix this. So I called a couple companies and they were going to charge me like at least $500 to even come out and look at it. And I was like, I got this. I can, I can figure this out. And so you know, I got up there 10 feet in the air on this ladder. I took the thing off and got a shot back. And it got ugly quick, people. Some of you are looking at me like I'm a horrible person. Listen, she was pregnant. Okay? Survival of the fittest, my friends. Survival of the fittest. I, I survived. I'm here. Okay? But... But I got the bird cage or the bird nest out. I got all the, the birds out. And, uh, and then I put, I put everything back. Now, as I was, <laughs> quit looking at me like that, Tammy Romano. I see you judging me. You weren't there, okay? Anyway, when I was cleaning it back up and putting everything back, I recognized like if I don't do something, I'm gonna have this problem again. So I went to Lowe's and they had these little cage things that you could put over the covers of the vent and it would protect the vent from the, the animal being able to get in again. You know, the stuff could still blow out, but nothing could get in. So I put these on and, uh, and a few hours later I was leaving to go to church. And as I was leaving, I saw mama bird kind of flying around trying to get back in, but she couldn't now because I'd put up a guard, okay? Some of you are feeling sorry for mama bird right now story's not going, you're not, that's not the point. See, the point is this, mama bird, mama bird's like the devil, okay? That's the point. And the devil wants to get all up in your mind and build a nest and lay things and hatch things that are going to stink up the joint. And if you don't put a guard in place, that's what's going to happen. And so God's given us the word of God as a weapon. In fact, when the Bible talks about the word of God, it talks about its role in our life. There's, the Bible speaks to the armor of God. You know the armor of God? And it says that you're to take up the, the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon that we're given in, in the armor of God. And it's right beside the helmet of salvation. So there's a tie between the mental covering that you have and the word of God and its role in your life. The Bible is a powerful spiritual force that God has given you to help you get your mind right. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Hebrews 4 verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful. No other book is like that. No other book. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow. Check this out. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart, okay? So the word of God is this powerful weapon that God has given us. And one of the things it can do is help you with the intents of your heart. It can help, or, or with your mind is what it's really talking about. Your heart there is not your, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions is really what it's talking about. And it'll help you get that stuff into alignment and to 
agreement with the word. And so if you look at the Bible, you see this. You see Jesus in his life. Remember when Jesus is in the wilderness and he's been, he's been fasting for 40 days and the devil comes against him. And what does the devil do? He comes against him with a mind battle to get him to question the things of God. This is how the devil works. This is how the devil attacks. When the devil came against Adam and Eve in the garden, what does he say? He says, has the Lord surely said? And the battle for the mind begins at that place. This is how he attacks us. What does Jesus do to counteract this? He says, the word of God. He quotes scripture over and over again because the word of God is a powerful weapon. And when you get into it and you study it and you read it and you think about it and you put it into your mouth, you begin to resist the enemy of your life. In fact, the Bible talks about this, Isaiah 59, talks about one of the, act, the, uh, the ways that the enemy will attack you in your thought life. And what it says is um, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, see one of the, attack, the ways the enemy attacks your mind is through flooding. He comes at you with thoughts and he floods your mind with negative thoughts. Maybe you experienced that a few weeks ago when coronavirus started happening. All of a sudden you start having all these thoughts. What if I lose my job? What if I lose my income? Maybe I won't be able to pay my house payment. What if, what if I, I lose my car? What if I get sick with this? What if my, my spouse gets sick with this? What if we die? What if our kids have to be raised and they don't have their parents? You're, this flood of thoughts, that's how the enemy comes. He comes in with a flood of thoughts. And these thoughts are designed to put you in a place of fear and to lead you down a path of worst case scenario. And that path is absent of God's work in your life. That's how the enemy works against you. So he'll flood you with that. But look at what it goes on to say. It says the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against them. So what the Holy Spirit wants to do, that's who the spirit of the Lord is. He's your helper, Jesus says. He wants to come and he wants to lift up a standard. And that standard is the word of God. When, when the enemy's coming against you with this flood of thoughts, the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of what the word of God has to say. Look at this with me. John 14, verse 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, that's the spirit of God. This is Jesus talking too, by the way, whom the father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and check this out and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So when the enemy's attacking you with a flood of negative thoughts, the Holy Spirit wants to come to you and say, hey, let me just remind you what the Bible has to say. But listen, listen, here's the problem. Listen, the Holy Spirit can't bring to your remembrance anything you didn't already put in your mind. And so a lot of times the enemy's attacking you with a flood of thoughts and the Holy Spirit wants to help you, but you've given him no material. Because he can't bring something to your remembrance if it wasn't put there in the first place. For example, family, you cannot answer this, okay? But the rest of you guys, I have a question for you. Who in here can tell me what was the name of my imaginary friend when I was three years old? Anybody? That wasn't in first service. Nobody, right? Okay, I'm going to tell you. You ready? When I was three years old, I had an imaginary friend named John Elbow. Okay? John Elbow. Now, here's a question for you, okay? Who in here can tell me the name of my imaginary friend from when I was three years old? John Elbow. John Elbow, right? You could bring it back to remembrance. Why? Because it had been put there in the first place. You see how that works? So, so here's the thing. In order for the Holy Spirit to bring up the standard of the word of God in those moments that you desperately need it, you got to put it in in the first place. 
That's why you got to get in the word and you got to read it and you got to study it and you got to think about it and you got to, you got to get it down deep inside of you so that the Holy Spirit can grab a hold of it and bring that standard of truth from God's word to you in those moments when the enemy is trying to flood you and take you down a path that leads you to destruction. Can I get an amen? Amen. And when you do this, it, it protects your mind. It guards your mind. So you got to get in the word. Here's number two. The second thing you need to do is you got to free your mind. Free your mind. Anybody in here thinking about that En Vogue song from 1992 right now? Yep. That song has been stuck in my head all week. But you know what? En Vogue had it, had it right. What do they say in the course? They say, free your mind and the rest will follow, right? Well, what do we read earlier in Proverbs 4.23? Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So if you can free your mind through the word of God, your life will follow. Your life is going to follow that. 2 Corinthians 10, you're never going to listen to in vogue like you did, like, again, the same way, right? 2 Corinthians 10 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal means they're not natural, they're not of this world. This is talking about the mental battle that we all face. But they're mighty in God for, pull, for pulling down strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. strongholds. If you've got a physical Bible with you, circle that, highlight that, make a note of that. Verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. It's pretty strong language, right? Talking about what you do with your mind. And the idea here is that you're going to have to pull down these strongholds by bringing them under the obedience of the word of God. You're going to have to take them captive and bring them to a place of obedience. Now, to help you understand, we all have strongholds in, in our mind. And strongholds can be good and they can be bad. And so here's how I explain strongholds to you. Strongholds are kind of like trains of thought. Okay, think of your mind like Grand Central Station. In, in a train station like Grand Central, there are trains that come in, they load up, and they depart for different destinations. And every day, you have thoughts that are coming to your mind. And there are thoughts that are coming to your mind that are engineered by either God or by Satan. And the thoughts that are engineered by Satan, here's how you recognize them. They're, they're going to they're lead you away from God. They're going to lead you to not have faith in God. And these thoughts engineered by Satan are ultimately going to lead you to death and destruction. But on the way there, they're going to lead you to places you never thought you would end up. They're going to keep you in places longer than you ever anticipated to be there. And, and it's going to feel like bondage the entire time. But then there, there are thoughts that are engineered by God. And these thoughts lead you to more faith in God. And they lead you to peace and to abundance. And they'll lead you to places that you never thought you could go in a good way. Places of joy and hope. They'll keep you in places that, that you, you couldn't imagine that God could ever do something like this in your life. That's, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of path, that's the kind of system God wants to take you through. And the, the greatest thing about these trains is they're free. Jesus Christ made a way so you can get on board with those kind of trains. But you have to make the decision. You have to choose to get on board with the right kind of trains. Now, so, so it says we're to bring our thoughts captive. Captive means that we take them by force and we're to bring them under obedience. Obedience means to listen under. So here's the idea. When a thought comes to you, you take that thought and you put it under the scrutiny of the word of God, which is the will of God. And you say, you say, does this thought line up with what the word of God, which is the will of God has to say? If not, it has to go. 
If it does, I can get on board. But if it doesn't, I'm not getting on board with that. Okay, so let me, let me show you what this looks like. All right, ready? All aboard. Here we go. All aboard. You got a thought that comes to you. And here's the thought. Because of coronavirus, you're going to have financial instability for the rest of your life. Everything's going to fall apart. It's going to be a mess. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your finances. You're going to lose your home. All aboard. Well, in that moment, you bring that thought into captivity. Am I going to get on board with that thought or not? Okay, well, what does the Word of God have to say? We're going to submit it, bring it under the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say? It says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. The Bible says that the righteous are never forsaken. The Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. On and on, lots of verses like this. So I look at that thought and I put it under the scrutiny of the Word and I say, okay, that thought doesn't line up with the will of God. That thought doesn't lead me to faith in God so I'm not getting on board with that thought. You see how this works? Here's another one for you. All aboard. All aboard. Here's a, here's a train for you. A train of thoughts. You're going to get cancer. Cancer runs in your family. You've had people in your family that have had cancer. They've had heart attacks. They've died early deaths and that's going to happen to you too. All aboard. Here's a train of thought. Okay. What does the Word of God has to say? The Word of God says, with long life will He satisfy me. God's, the Word of God says that He'll bless and fulfill the number of your days. The Word of God says that Jesus came to bring us life and to bring it to the full, to bring us abundant life. So once again, this thought is not aligning with the Word of God, the will of God. It's not leading to faith in God. So I'm not going to get on board with that train of thinking. You guys see how this works? This is the process. We have to choose to do this. Listen, nobody can control your mind. The devil can't control your mind. He can introduce thoughts to your mind, but ultimately it's your decision which thoughts you get on board with. God cannot control your mind or will not control your mind. He can give you the word of God and introduce thoughts that can lead you to life and peace. But ultimately, you make up your mind which, which thoughts you're going to get on board with. That's, that's a you decision. And where you find yourself is a product of the decisions that you have made up to this point. Can't blame nobody but you. I'm preaching truth this morning. It may hurt a little bit, but it's good and it'll help you if you'll, if you'll grab a hold of it. And when you choose to say, okay, I'm going to submit to the word of God. I'm going to trust God, God's word. It puts you in a position of resistance against the enemy, which can free you and help you to walk in what God has for you. That's why James 4, 7 says, submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. When you submit to God, you're submitting to his word, saying, I don't care what, what my circumstances are. What I care about is what the word of God says. I'm submitted to that. And in that, in, in that very act of making this decision, of this is how you're going to process the thoughts coming into your mind, in that act, you're resisting the devil, and he won't come anymore. See, what, what happens is so often, we just get on board with every thought the enemy throws at us. He comes at you with some thought, and you're just like, choo-choo, let's go, Right? chugga chugga don't no don't do that <laughs> don't do that some of you you make it so easy for the enemy but if you start to resist you know what he'll do he'll quit throwing this, this stuff at you because it don't work he'll go find somebody else to throw this junk at so resist the devil and free your mind through the word of God guard your mind free your mind here's number three feed your mind you got to feed your mind the word of God is truth the Bible says that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. And, and the word that he uses for the word, word, is, is a Greek word, logos, which means the precepts or sayings of God. So he's talking about the Bible. 
You say, well, the Bible wasn't even invented yet. Yes, but it's Jesus, people. And he kind of knows the kingdom that he's establishing and how that kingdom's going to run. So when he talks about things related to the word of God, he's speaking to the Bible that is being formed and created by the kingdom he is establishing. So he's saying the word of God is truth. I'm creating, there's going to be a word that you can settle in a truth and you need to feed yourself on that word. Matthew 4, 4 says, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. The Bible is like soul food. It's mind food. And there are promises in the Bible. There's 7,000 promises in the Bible that God has, has put inside of this living book for you to grab a hold of, for you to set your hope and your faith in that will lead you to purpose and provision and promise. But you got to get in it and you got to chase after it. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this. It says blessed. Everybody say blessed. blessed. Anybody in here want to be blessed besides me? Yep. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed so that I can bless others. I want to be blessed so that my kids are blessed through my family and our legacy. I want to be blessed. I want this church to be blessed so we can make an impact. I want blessing. God wants blessing for you. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Let me, let me summarize that with this. Blessed is the person who doesn't just buy into everything the world is pushing. That's what that means. Blessed is that person. Verse two, but his delight, or in other words, his joy, his happiness is found in the law of the Lord, the Bible. And in his law, he meditates. That idea of meditating means a lot of things. It means to, to think and keep thinking. It means to say, to speak, to murmur, to, to look at, to concentrate on. Meditates. He meditates on it day and night. Look at verse three. He, who is he? He is the person who's doing this, who's meditating on the word. He, look at this, shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. What does that mean? That means no matter what, a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, even when there's a drought, that tree is still sourced because its root system can tap into a source that continually is flowing. That's, that's us. No matter what's going on around us, we're continuing to flourish. We're continuing to grow. It says that brings forth fruit in its season. That means that you're going to produce what you're supposed to produce in the time you're supposed to produce it. It says whose leaf also shall not wither. That means you won't lose the stuff you're supposed to produce when you're supposed to produce it. And then say this last part with me. Whatever he does shall prosper. Try that again. Whatever he does shall prosper. That's a pretty awesome promise, people. Like, I, you ought to go back to that verse right there. Read that. In fact, I would encourage you to memorize that. Get that down inside of you. Whatever you do, that's a promise God has for the person who's meditating on the Word of God, who's feeding themselves the Word of God, intentionally going to the Word, looking at it, studying it, speaking it, meditating on it, thinking about it. They're going to they're gonna flourish. They're going to produce good. Good things are going to come. If you feed on the word. And here's the fourth thing you got to keep in mind. We're going to guard your mind. We're going to free your mind. We're going to feed your mind. And we're going to keep in mind. Now, this next, I'm going to give you five quick things here to keep in mind. Because here's what we're doing. The, these things, guard your mind, free your mind, feed your mind. These are the things that are going to lead you from here to there, from bondage to freedom. But on the path, there's going to be things that, that try to knock you off. And so these are the things you have to keep in mind while you're walking the path that will help you stay in that place where you're continuing to, to guard your mind, free your mind, and feed your mind. So keep these things in mind. Number one, you got to keep this in mind. What you say is what you'll see. 
What you say is what you see. What you confess is what you will possess. Now, we all grow up in a world where when we're little, we are introduced to a thing called a see and say. And what does it do? We learn how to speak what we see. So the cow goes moo and the sheep goes bad, right? And we learn how to live this way. So whatever we say, that's what we see. Well, the problem is that's not how God designed you. God designed you. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of your tongue. And when it talks about the tongue, it's not talking about your physical tongue. It's talking about what the tongue produces, which are words. Words are powerful. And not just any words, God's word coming out of your mouth is, is powerful. It's a powerful thing God's given us. But here's what happens. Because we grow up in this kind of see and say mentality, that's how we live our life. We, we, we kind of live like a thermometer. But whatever we're experiencing, whatever the temperature is, that's what we say. And there's no power in that. And what God has called us to be is a thermostat. See, your thermometer just tells you what's going on. A thermostat, you can adjust what's going on. You can change what's going on. And that's what God designed your mouth to do. Through his word, you have the power. Remember I talked to you earlier about the double-edged sword? Okay, one edge of that sword is God. When he spoke that word into existence, the other edge of that sword is your mouth. When you speak it out of your mouth and align it, it becomes a powerful weapon that can make a difference in your, in your world and in your life, but you gotta get into it, you gotta speak it, and you gotta choose to say, I'm gonna say, and then I'm gonna see. And here's what happens. Well, you begin to speak life over you, and then that life gets produced. The life of the word gets produced. It starts to show up in your life. Don't just speak your circumstances, speak the truth. Don't just get on board with your mouth with what the enemy's throwing at you because that's going to lead to death and destruction. Get your mouth in agreement. Get on board with your mouth with what the word has to say, and it leads to life and peace. Here's number two. Second thing you need to recognize as you walk this path is that the change that God wants to do in you, this change of freedom, is going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. So the Bible says that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that you're born again. You receive a brand new spirit. And the Bible says that all things, be, the, the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Well, that's talking about your spirit. It's not talking about all things. Listen, if you struggled with drugs and alcohol and ways of thinking, just because you get saved doesn't mean all that's going to go away. Your mind still has to be renewed. That word renewed, when the Bible talks about transforming your mind, that word, it, it's a metamorphosis. It's like when a caterpillar goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And this is the part of walking out our salvation. We have to change the way we think through God's word. The spirit is made alive, but now we're bringing our thought life into agreement with the word of God. So many people never understand this, and so they don't, they don't think they're saved. They don't think the word of God works because they never come into agreement and alignment with it, and so it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. But you have to do this. That's why the Bible talks about you walking out, working out your salvation. This is the part of that. You're spiritually made new, but your mind has to be renewed. And what I, what I love about God and how he does this is uh, his, his process, even in how he creates anything. In fact, I love in, in, in the book of Genesis when he creates the world, he creates the world in seven days. You know he didn't have to do that, right? He's God. He could have done it in a moment, but he creates his seven days of creation and then a seventh day where he rests. Why does he do this? Well, one of the reasons why he does it is because he wanted to model for us the process of change. 
Now recognize this, every day in the process of change, as God is creating, he would end that day, day by saying, he looked at it and it was good. Now, now recognize this, okay? God knew on day two what it was gonna look like on day six. But he doesn't look at it at the end of day two and says, well, it's not where, it sh it's, not where it's gonna be, you know, it's here. No, he looked at it on day two, knowing what it wasn't yet and still said, it's good. He also was creating this world to be a picture of heaven. So he had something to compare it to. He could have looked at it on day three and said, man, it's, it's coming along, but it is nowhere near what I got up here going on, you know. But he doesn't do that. He looked at it on day three and he said, it's good. It's good. Listen, here's what, here's what we see in this. God looks at you where you are today and you're not complete. You're not done. But he looks at you wherever you find yourself today and he says, you're good. You're doing good. Just keep going. Because see, here's what happens. If you don't learn to do that and you live comparing or you live looking at your life and going, well, I haven't done this yet. I haven't got this right yet. I haven't fixed this yet. You know what it's going to lead to? It's going to lead to comparing, which is going to lead to complaining, which is going to lead to you not being content, which is going to stop you from receiving what God wants to do in your life. So what you have to do is decide, I'm going to choose to say today, I haven't arrived yet. I'll be better tomorrow than I am today because I'm going to win every day. But today, God looks at me and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because Jesus Christ is my Lord. And even though I got work to do, God looks at me today and he says, you're good. You're good. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Change, change takes time. And God loves you right where you are. And he wants you to keep moving ahead keep moving ahead. Here's number three. Space is needed. Space is needed. As you, as you walk out freedom, you've got to recognize that, that you need some space in your life. Now, what have we been talking about? We've been talking about the Word of God, right? You've got to carve out time in your life, carve out space in your life for the Word of God. Space where you can get into the Word, where you can do what the Bible's been telling us, meditating on it so that you want freedom. If you want to be free, you, you, listen, you don't have to do this. You can stay bound. But if you want to be free, this is the, this, this is the approach you need to have. You got to look for opportunities to get in a word, to think about it, to speak it, to memorize it, to get it down deep inside of you. Look at this verse. This is Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. It says, and these words which I command to you today shall be in your, in your heart. It's talking about your, your, the seed of your appetites, your mind, will, and your emotions. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk, uh, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be in the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So the idea is that you need to see this a lot. And what I love in here is, is actually the Bible gives us these four contemplative times of the day in this verse. Look at it again. I'll show you the four. The first one is when you rise up. So this is the first part of your day when you wake up. Now, most of us, what we do when we wake up is we immediately begin to just, we come to consciousness and we begin to start thinking, if you're like me, why am I so sore right now from sleeping? But after that, we begin to start thinking about our day and what we're going to do for the day. The meetings we're going to have and the tasks that we have to do. Well, well, here's an idea. What if instead of just jumping right into that, what if we said, okay, I'm going I'm to give the first moments of my day before I even get out of bed to the word of God and to the Lord. 
And I'm gonna speak some scripture over myself that God's put on my heart. I'm gonna find some verses in the Bible that apply to the situation and the place I find myself in in life. I'm gonna speak those over myself. I'm gonna think on those kind of things. I'm gonna gonna give God the first part of my day. That's the first one, when you you rise up. The second one is when you sit in your house. Or you could say when you're you're sitting at work, when you have some, some contemplative moments, you say, well, I really don't have a lot of those. Well, you can find them if you're really looking. You really can. I promise you, there's times in your day that you can find and you can carve out for the Lord if you choose to do it. In fact, I I was reading this week this this stat that said that 85% of all videos that are watched on Facebook and Instagram are watched in mute mode, like with no volume. You know why? Because people are watching them in the bathroom. Contemplative time, right? (laughs) Here's my point. You've got time somewhere. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, look for time. Look for space. Carve it out for the Lord. Carve it out for the Word. Number three, when you walk by the way. In other words, when you're traveling. Going to work, coming home from work, taking the kids to one of the many practices that they're involved in, taking them to school. It's a good time for you to be in the Word. Listening to the Bible on audio, listening to messages, looking at verses with your eyes still on the road, you know, <laughs> but thinking about what the word of God has to say, murmuring it, speaking it over yourself over and over again. And then number four is when you lie down. Remember when you were a little kid, if you were like me, one of the last things I did as a kid with my parents is they would pray with me. You kind of ended your day with prayer. Well, why do we stop that? Isn't that a great way to end your day? What if the last words out of your mouth every night were, Lord, I love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. And I I remember your word that says that my mind is transformed. I thank you. You're transforming my mind through your word. And so I I just, I I submit my my mind to you right now as I sleep. I thank you that you're going to fill my mind with thoughts, good thoughts, pleasing thoughts. In Jesus' name, and then go to bed. But, But if we'll look for space And begin to make space for the Lord. Listen, again, it's an act of resistance to the enemy that causes him to flee in his attacks against you. So you gotta gotta make sure that that space is needed. I'll hurry through these last two. Number four, you you gotta recognize that you experience what you expect. Here's the point. You need to have faith in God. Like as you're doing all this, we're we're taking a lot of steps to to try to kind of get from, from here to there. But also have faith that all of a sudden God might just leap you forward a little bit. Like expect that. Expect that, okay, I, I'm trying to win my mind. I've got, I've got a mind that's not doing right. I'm having, I'm having problems with anger. You know, I've been blowing up over and over again. But, but all of a sudden you, you just expect that you're going to have a breakthrough and it's just going to be over. Like have that kind of faith that God could do that. That God can heal your mind. God is a healer. And he wants to heal your mind. He wants to renew your mind through his word. So expect a miracle. Expect God to do something amazing. And then here's number five. If you stop, you stop. If you stop, you stop. Let me say it this way. Where you stop, you stop. So, so here's the point. Don't stop when you feel stuck. I want you to know you're probably gonna mess up because none of us are perfect. And if you've had a a pattern of bondage, you've created a bit of a rut in your life that tends to go back to that. 
And it's going to take you some resistance in order to, to break that up and to change that. And there will be times that you've said, I'm, I'm not going to get mad like that again. I'm not going to blow up like that again. And then you do. I'm not going to look at pornography again. And then you do. I'm not going to allow myself to, to act like that again. And then you do. And what happens is a lot of times we do that and then we feel really bad. And we feel like we kind of have to punish ourselves. Or we feel like, man, I bet God's kind of ticked off. Like, I better let him cool off for a little bit because of what I did. Because I said I'd never do that again, and I did. So God's probably a little angry with me. Listen, God ain't mad at you. All of the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. All of it. Everybody say all. All. It means there's nothing left. God ain't mad at you. So here's what you do. When you mess up, and you will. Because we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. James 3.10 says, indeed, we all make mistakes. When you mess up, right then, repent. Just be quick to repent. Just be quick to say, God, I, I blew it. I messed up, but I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. And I'm not going to punish myself. I'm going to keep moving ahead. I'm going to keep chasing after you. I'm not going to stop where I feel stuck. I'm going to keep moving ahead. I want you to know you can be free. You really can. You can walk into freedom. God has freedom for you. And I tell you that because I've experienced it. I've lived it. At one point, I was so bound in my thinking, but God did a work in me. And, and, it's, and again, it's not because I'm better than anybody else. not because I'm a pastor and you're not. If, not, if nothing else, it's because I was just tenacious to say, okay, if this is what your word says, I'm going to believe it and I'm going to do it. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to do what this says. I'm going to chase after this with everything I got. And, and, and step by step, God led me to freedom. And I had moments I messed up, but I'd repent. I'd turn back to the Lord. And every day, I kept winning. Here, here, here one last little piece of advice. Just keep winning. Keep winning in Jesus Christ. I feel like there's probably someone here today, and you, this, this morning, you messed up. Okay, win the rest of the day. Just go there. And then win tomorrow. And then win the next day. Don't, don't get so focused on way down here that you don't miss out on right there. You see what I'm saying? See, sometimes we get so focused on the ultimate place of freedom that Jesus wants us to have. And that's good. We want that. But, but you're not going to leap there. You're going to have to take the steps to get you there. And so the, the next step is the next step. And the next step is win. Win in Christ Jesus. Get with, the, get with the Holy Spirit. Get in the word. Submit to the word. Resist the devil. And just keep trudging along. And it gets easier and easier every day. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Let me, let me say it like this. What, what is God, what are you, what's the thought that you're having right now that, that is it, it attached to it is some action based on what I've been talking about? Maybe right now you feel like you, you really see the importance. I got to get in the word better than I've been. Maybe right now you need to repent of a mistake that you've made. Maybe right now you need to forgive somebody.
Maybe right now you recognize I got to change what I say. I've been saying a lot of stuff I shouldn't be saying. What do you got to do today to get on board with the trains of thought that are engineered by God and just get on board? God is saying to you today, Jesus is saying to you today, all aboard. He's inviting you. And maybe for you today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. Or maybe today you would say, I have, but I I know I'm not where I should be with God. And I want to get right with God today. Maybe you're watching online right now and that's you. And you know you're not where you need to be with the Lord. I want you to know Jesus is looking at you today and he's saying, all aboard. I made a way. I purchased your freedom. I purchased a way so you could step into salvation. And all you got to do is you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So if that's you today and you want to know that you're right with God, I want you to pray this prayer with me. All of you online, all of you that are here today, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. And everybody, since we're all in agreement, let's say this together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. I recognize that I've sinned, I've made mistakes, and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me from my unrighteousness. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life in you. So Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. I choose to make you my Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.